0: Today I'm joined by Kini Nika Sinha. is the Associate Professor of Maths at the Indian Institute of Science, Education and Research in Pune. In this episode, Kini Nika talks about how she applied her mathematical methods to her own life when she was feeling anxious and overwhelmed to determine which of all of these different problems was the biggest one and would make the largest impact in her life if she addressed it. And that led her to coaching with me and implementing the time and energy secret system. And in this episode, she talks about what difference this has made in her life. Through coaching, she has learned how to value herself. And that has enabled her to be able to set boundaries with both time and people. And she also gives a really clear piece of advice as to what to do if you are thinking of working with me. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. So let's dig in.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's an honor.
0: You're most welcome. I am really excited to talk to you today. And I wondered if you could introduce yourself to everybody.
1: Okay, thank you again for having me on your show. My name is Kaninika. I am a mathematician. I teach mathematics at a science institute in India. And my research specialization is in number theory. And I particularly focus on problems at the interface of number theory and probability. So I'm from India, and my school and undergraduate studies were done here. Uh, but my entire postgraduate training, including master's, PhD, and postdoctoral training, took place in Canada. After that, I returned to India to start my first independent faculty position. So when I had moved to Canada, the higher educational ecosystem in India, at least in the context of basic sciences, was quite divided. There were the research institutes, a handful of them which just did research and plenty of universities which mostly focused on undergraduate teaching. There was very little interaction between the two, But fortunately, by the time I was ready to start out as an independent researcher, the science leadership in India was thinking about it, and they started some flagship institutes, which combined both education and research in the basic sciences. These are called the Indian Institutes of Science, Education and Research, IISER in short. I felt I would be a perfect fit at such an institution and it would also give me the opportunity to come back to my country. So I joined one of them and I have been at. So first I joined uh, ICER in Kolkata in the Eastern region. And later I moved to ICER in Pune in the Western region of the country. And I have been here for the last 10 years.
0: It's so interesting to hear you talk about that because we haven't had um, a really big discussion about the choices that you've made um, when it comes to your earlier career choices. So that's really interesting. And why do you feel that it's really important to have both combined? What's important to you about that?
1: So I like teaching and teaching keeps me very grounded. It also helps me to understand what I'm doing better, because when you have to teach what you study to a large audience, you spend more time thinking about it. And also you learn how to communicate your ideas properly to people at all different levels. And there is something about interacting with undergraduate students. There's some spark, you know, there is this motivation that comes from interacting with them. Now, I do know that some people, and they are doing extremely well, prefer to just stay in their office. They'll come to the institute, close the door, do their work, go back, and good for them. But I figured out long ago that that model does not work for me. And part of the reason could have been that most of my fundamental training happened at a university in Canada, and universities in North America and in Britain, for example, combine both. It's, it's There are places which focus just on teaching, but usually in a university, you will see scientists doing research and also doing teaching and mentoring. So I was familiar with that system. I believed in that system. So that's... I love that. I love
0: that. Um, Yes, it is absolutely the system that I came through in as well in terms of um, chemistry and really enjoyed learning about what some of the research, you know, the the fundamentals of the research that was happening. And you're right, having to explain that to and simplify in a way that is understandable really helps solidify thinking as well. I'm going through that process at the moment while I'm writing my book. And it's been like really interesting to understand, oh, why do I do the things that I do with people? Oh, this is why. Um, And being able to actually articulate it well is very nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you've been in this institute for around 10 years now. So where are you up to in your career as things currently stand?
1: So currently I'm an associate professor. I have tenure, which is a big relief. And I, um, I I, have not taken on many leadership roles in the Institute because in my career, this happened in the opposite direction because these are very young institutes. As soon as a person joins, if they have the enthusiasm to serve, they will get inducted into committees and, you know, especially that involve institute building. So when I joined my first faculty position in the very first year, I became a member of the Senate, (laughs) which is the governing body, so to speak, right? At least as far as the academic program is concerned. Then in my second year, I became the chairperson of my department. And I, I was it it was a privilege to serve in that capacity but i was not entirely ready for it it happened it may have happened too early and it threw back my research a little because when you are involved in administrative duties at a very young career stage it can divert your mind from research so at that moment my mentors and those who cared about me uh, said that this is the time, this is the golden time to concentrate on research. So, um, I have followed that in whatever capacity I can help, I do help. But at this moment, I feel uh, I'm not really ready to take on roles at a leadership level. At this moment, I want to strengthen my research program more. Uh, I hope this answered your question. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, And it's really interesting that you talk about um, taking on too much too soon in a really big capacity and then sort of needing to pull back a little bit and focus on what's important to you right now in your career, knowing that you can step up to leadership, administrative duties whenever you feel that you want to in the future as well. You know that you're more than capable of doing that as well, having already served, <laughs> I love that. But that can often happen as well. Particularly as women, we often get asked more frequently than other people to make up. You know, I don't want to say the numbers, but the the diverse um, range of people that they want on committees, and there can be an additional burden, particularly on women, to to serve. That does detract from what they're trying to achieve as well. So I'm glad that you've been able to draw a line and come back to what it is that you want right here and now in your career.
1: Yeah, And the Institute has respected that. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> I love that.
0: So that brings us to roundabout now. So just for those people who are listening, um, Kaninika joined the Time and Energy Secrets. I think he came on the five-day challenge to start with is that right?
1: The month thing, November
0: month. 2021. Yes, so you joined a month where you learned how to like get a handle on your time and energy and come into my app and learn how to implement a system to balance multiple different competing areas of your life and then since then you've joined a small group coaching program called Momentum which has fortnightly group coaching and accountability so that's just the
1: context yeah <laughs> it's one of the things that i look forward to the most <laughs> <laughs> know, me too um so can you tell
0: people why on earth you joined it in the first place so what was going on for you around that time okay
1: so my journey as a scientist has been very fulfilling but it has also been delicate at times So as I told you in my initial years for a certain phase of time, I got distracted from research and I went through this phase of self-doubt and anxiety, but people understood me. I moved to a place where I got an encouraging work atmosphere and some solid mentorship. So this helped me to overcome that initial phase of self-doubt. And once the research program took off, I gained tremendous confidence. But uh, in the last couple of years, um, I think maybe starting 2019-ish, I again started feeling overwhelmed. There was this persistent feeling that I was not doing as much as I wanted to do. So when the pandemic struck and we lost the structure of a daily routine involving teaching, meetings, uh, etc, I had more time to think about this. But I still found myself very short on energy to deal with this, whatever I was going through. And my worries assumed enormous proportions to the extent that I even wondered if I would be able to prove a new theorem again. So then I did what a mathematician does. I broke down whatever I was feeling into smaller bite-sized problems, so to speak, covering different aspects. Um, external and internal, and I wanted to figure out what is causing the biggest problems. So as I told you, I work at a pretty good place with a very positive work atmosphere where we can simply focus on science if we want to. So the external factor was not uh, not the issue here. Uh, so I had to look within. And after some more honest thinking, I felt that the essential problem was that I had very low energy levels. Even, you know, I had low energy levels and at the same time, I was not being able to take the best steps which improve one's energy. So I I was in this sort of vicious cycle. And then I read an announcement about your online talk, which was organized by Chandana Basu at the Banaras oh, Hindu Library. Yes. Yeah. And uh, your talk resonated with what I was going through at that time. And when you talked about your app, <laughs> I thought... Hmm, an app for women in STEM careers. Time, energy. This is the app for me, and i was like, I, I, I certainly should try this out because you see, when we feel unfit, we take training from a trainer. When we are, when we feel we are not uh, eating appropriately, we go seek help from a dietitian. At the workplace, if something happens. We seek support from some, some senior colleague or someone who's been through this. But uh, so, why not in something that is affecting our well being? Right. And the fact that you yourself are a scientist and you have interacted with so many scientists and you understood the issues that we face uh, encouraged me to try this out. Oh yes. Do I understand the issues? I actually created,
0: (laughs) honestly, I created the app for myself to start with. I'm so selfish, but for myself, because I was finding it such a challenge to manage my own time and energy and all these different competing areas of my life. You were talking about there having low energy, but not being able to find the steps to improve that. And we know that doing exercise actually gives us energy but we need that activation energy to go and do it in the first place or at least create enough time and space to do it and around the time yeah exactly
1: was that I would go to the gym and I would overdo it oh okay because I had a point to prove to someone <laughs> and then not have the energy to do other things Ah, oh, my good friend superwoman in action yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know her well as well, as you, as you are all aware of. So it it was kind of born out of, I need to get a handle on my own stuff. And then I started to roll it out to my one-to-one private clients. And then I thought, actually, if it's a system that can be systematized into an app, then it can be for everyone here it resonates with.
1: Yeah, that is amazing. What a wonderful thing you did. (laughs) So tell us about what you have
0: implemented from the app, because I know there's lots of different parts to it, but there will be some things that people go, yes, that's something that I'm going to implement and stick to as a habit and other Mm -hmm. things that you try and things fall away or you bring back in when you get a handle on other things. So tell me about the journey that you've been through with the app then.
1: Okay, so I feel that the structured weekly planning, the weekly plans that we do has been the most impactful change for me. So I was, of course, making an attempt to plan things before, but the plans were purely focused on mathematics research because that is very high priority. And I would uh, end up, thanks to our friend, the superwoman, uh, I would end up preparing unreasonable lists of to-do tasks, imagining that I have the whole day ahead. Not foreseeing other tasks, which are also important to do, but were not being recognized by me as important, and other accidents that life can throw at us. So it helped a lot to plan things in a new format. So when we start out, first we plan for health, personal development, relationships, and then we put down our career tasks and i remember wondering in the beginning you know why don't we do career tasks in the beginning and put other things after that uh, i'm still mindful that for me research is top priority but i plan it in wholesome consonance now with other aspects of life and then it i it made sense to actually plan the other things before so it it all somehow ties in very well so for example post 10am, there is a good chance that I'll be occupied in teaching or some meeting or some editorial work, answering emails. (laughs) If I'm lucky, this can get pushed to post lunch, but that does not always happen. You know, so uh, it is absolutely vital for me to wake up early and spend a few solid hours doing my research work. If I miss that, then I have this guilt throughout the day that I did not do that. Plus, you know, there is also this anxiety that, okay, this is something important that had to be done. But now with so many distractions, I can't do. So I did zero down on the priority that I have to wake up early. But to wake up early, one has to ensure that they are going to bed on time and that they are sleeping well without anxiety, right? Well-nourished, tired feeling good uh, i mean i i use the word tired in a positive sense not not in the negative way that uh, you have to feel that you know you were able to yeah. lift the whole world on your shoulders not in that sense but that you spent a good day you know being being an active productive person so one has to tie in all these aspects of health and well-being to be able to address top priorities. When, we, when I started doing this on a weekly basis, uh, this realization became stronger. So this has been one of the most positive uh, things about the app for me. Also our group coaching sessions. I just love those because I, um, I realized before joining uh, this app um, and also, uh, before developing a support network around me, I realized that something was missing. My, my family members are very nice, loving people, but they don't really understand what I'm going through. So if I tried to speak to them, their uh, response would be, oh, you just enjoy staying unhappy or the, the best thing I heard was your biggest problem in life is that you have no problems at all. (laughs) I'm like, okay, they're lovely people. I love them, but I'm not going to discuss these things with them. (laughs) Yeah, because I suppose that's
0: making light of the fact that you do find some things a challenge and you would like to resolve some things or improve upon things. That's like saying, oh, you're
1: not allowed to have any problems. You just have to be okay. (laughs) Exactly. So, talking to someone like you who has done a lot of study, I would say, of, you know, and has also experienced these problems helps a lot. Plus, because it's in a sort of a group format, I was, Hannah, I was, I felt so reassured to see that other people were also struggling with similar problems. I was not a freak. Oh absolutely not and in
0: fact whenever we have a group coaching call whatever the topic is sometimes I think people are picking the topic for me and I'm like oh this is really about coaching me and my problems. (laughs) No I love it I love it Um, and I think you make some really excellent points about being able to come together as a group of people who are committed to improving a certain area of their life or maybe multiple areas of your life and not just feeling that this is just how it has to be. Like there are yeah. things that we can do and things can be different with the right levels of support and I think that knowing there's a community of people coming together with similar challenges and that you don't feel alone anymore in the struggle is yeah. I would say one of the most important parts of all.
1: Right, and it also gave me the confidence to reach out to other people around me, some of my colleagues who are also very dear friends and just talk about these issues. And they were also very frank and forthcoming. They also mentioned how they deal with these things. And I I ended up uh, forming a group. We are a group of four friends, all associated to this workplace in some way. Uh And every weekend we meet and we just talk about how our lives are going. And uh, because we all also live on the same campus, sometimes we may just meet for an evening walk and we are sort of becoming each other's support network. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Another thing that helped me was that I learned how to talk about my problems. It is not just a matter of getting support. It is also about you showing the willingness to reach out, you accepting that you need some help. And then when the help is there, you know, take up that opportunity and then try to recreate some of those things for yourself as well. Oh, I think that
0: makes me feel so happy. So beautiful to, to like, imagine you there pulling other people into your life and, helping people have a, a place and a safe place to talk about things. And that wasn't in existence before we started working together, your group of four.
1: We we did meet each other. I had started uh, reaching out. I mean, I met, I met some of them at the gym. One of them actually trains me at the gym. And it's amazing for the two, three years, uh, she we had this relationship where she was, of course, focusing on my fitness and helping me, but we never really had a conversation. And she's an ex-Olympian who moved to a different country post-marriage. And uh, later, while talking to her, I also heard about her life, her challenges. And then I thought, you know, this is, you know, this can be done. You can talk about things with people and it can have a positive effect it doesn't necessarily have to be negative that oh my god I'm revealing my weakness to the whole world
0: (laughs) (laughs) only to discover someone else's weakness as well so I think it's definitely a superpower yeah it's that ability to be vulnerable with other people and to share at that level um, and know that it's a reciprocal relationship as well is really important yeah oh that makes me so happy and we talked earlier about um why not understanding why we would need to plan for all the other areas of our life like relationships health personal development wealth before career and i'm just gonna for the people who are listening kind of briefly explain why we do it that way around because obviously people go no I've got all these things that are if career is my number one priority right now that should go in first but the issue I think when we have a really strong identity around career as as I have done as well is that we have a tendency to plan for career put the other things in as like an afterthought that we try and bolt on and then override those things for more work or just say oh well I'm not gonna go to the gym tonight because I'm tired because I've been working late or whatever it is and those are the things that end up sliding so the career and the work never slides but the other stuff in our life does which is why I'm always like no I need to get all these other parts of my life in first and work the career stuff around it otherwise it just becomes an eclipsing of the other pillars of the life as well I don't know if that's something that you've found in this process. Have yes, you been? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And in the group coaching format, have there been any sort of revelations for you that have come out from having that laser focused coaching?
1: You you mean just with respect to me or something that I've learned from other people?
0: Yeah, it could be either. So when we do laser focus coaching, sometimes someone will have a challenge and they'll put their hand up and obviously it will be your turn to speak and we work through a challenge. But other times other people are getting coaching. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been in these group coaching calls before for myself and often when other people are talking, I take something really big away from that and implement it myself. So, it could be either way, but I wondered if there have been anything that's happened in the group coaching where you've thought, oh, yes, I'm going to do something about that or implement
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So, one of the things that I reflected upon a lot, uh, based on what a lot of us talked about in the group coaching, uh, and I have been trying to incorporate, is setting boundaries. So, you know, we all want to give our best to our jobs, our relationships, our lives, both personal and professional. But that can be possible only if one sets clear boundaries, right? In terms of what is urgent versus what is not. What constitutes a mutually respectful conversation and what does not? How many and what kind of responsibilities we can take on and manage well. I think a lot of us had the tendency to take on, feel the need to take on a lot.
0: Um, Oh, for sure, the kind of the pleaser, say yes to everything, particularly if it comes from someone who's like in a more senior position than you. Yes, of course I'll do that. And then afterwards go, how on earth am I going to do that? What's going to happen here? And that tendency to work harder to compensate for the extra things rather than, okay, where's the boundary line? What kind of conversations do I need to have with people um, around the things that are coming in? So it can be tricky sometimes to push back, but with the right conversation templates, it becomes less confrontational and more productive, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah. How to, there were, there have been more than a few instances where we've discussed how to um, ask for what we need politely and Uh how to express, you know, ourselves in terms of what we need to be able to do what we are expected to do. so that that has been very helpful to me uh, another, yeah another particularly helpful change although this came more from the planning but sometimes I think it also came up in our conversations was uh, that of overcoming the all or nothing attitude if Ooh, tell me about this <laughs> So, if by some freak accident the day is not turning out exactly as I planned it, does it mean that I give up on the whole day? I have done that in the past, you know, tried to drown myself in Netflix binges, <laughs> which does not help. So, it's one I, I, I have trained myself that even if the start of the day was not perfect, uh, I can still do. Something in whatever time that remains. somehow that really uh, increases it makes the energy levels feel good. Um, so being aware that I have control over my day, even if it is not perfect, has done wonders to my mental health. and planning obviously has been a key factor in it.
0: Yes, ah, oh, I have had quite a few discussions about this recently, actually, and you know people will hear me talk about different parts of our personality like the pleaser the pusher the perfectionist um the inner critic there are so many of these different parts but this really talks to for me the perfectionist part of us and people will say to me things like um well if a meeting goes in my calendar in between something then I don't really have a clear space or a clean space to be able to like do any work so the day is kind of like ruined for me so I'll start again the next day or I'll start again on a fresh week it's like that fresh space that that perfect time to do something and I think what you're describing there is this ability to be with what is in whatever capacity that is yes so if you have planned a 10 out of 10 energy day but you wake up with a 6 out of 10 energy day what am I going to do with that? Am I going to use up more units of energy than what I actually have? Or how can I alter the day so that it accommodates how I am on this particular day? Or if something comes in, like you said, and an email comes in and it it kind of ruins the plans because it's, it is urgent and important, not hmm. just because someone says it is, but because we determine it is. How can I be with what is and change my plan without slipping into but I have to f- add that on and fit it in? on top of everything else exactly
1: yeah
0: yeah i love that so i guess it's the equivalent of if it was perfectionism at home it would be how can i leave the towel on the bathroom floor for three hours and be okay with that Mm -hmm. like a work equivalent isn't it how can i be okay with what is today yeah yeah (laughs) Brilliant. I absolutely love that. And usually it's our ability to be able to handle the emotion that comes with that as well. Be okay with the uncomfortable feelings sometimes right. with what comes up.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And earlier you talked a little bit about sometimes feeling guilty if you don't get to do some of your work because it is of the highest importance to you. And you talked about, okay, I get up early and I do. Work on some of my work while I have the right energy, the right time, the right space to be able to think about theory. And you said earlier, I thought I might never be able to come up with another theory and work through it again. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: have. Yeah, yeah, this is a sort of a mental habit I have struggled with for a very long time. Of, uh, I mean, it's one thing to realize that something could have been done better, or I could, you know, put more effort into something. But quite another to always keep feeling that I'm not adequate, I'm not enough, you know, to, to get anything good in life, I first have to do this, 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 prove myself and then ask for it. Mm-hmm. right? So things like that. I, I I have struggled with these habits. There have been times when some senior people. Um, while talking to me have uh, crossed boundaries and said very inappropriate things. Not, I mean, inappropriate in the sense that these were things they felt they could say to a younger person without consequences and would probably not dare to say to someone who Mm -hmm. was, you know, like senior or someone at some place where there could be consequences and I kept on listening to it and still sort of blaming myself that you know yeah it is sort of I don't know there was this voice within me that was saying that okay maybe I kind of deserve this because I haven't reached a certain place in my career and you know, this is obviously illogical, and one cannot live this way. So if something is making us feel uncomfortable, we have to speak up, or we have to do something about it. If somebody is misbehaving with us or saying inappropriate things, it's possibly coming for them, it's coming from a place where they don't have much self-awareness about how their words affect others. You know, Mm -hmm. they may not actually be malicious, but they just don't realize how their words are affecting another younger person. So I, uh, instead, I I certainly don't have to blame myself for it. I have to step up and maybe create a boundary and let them know in some way or the other that this is not, this is not appropriate. And the essential thing is stop there may be times when we tolerate a few things from other people as a matter of strategy to keep the peace or everything, but we should not tolerate another person because we think that this is what we deserve. We deserve to be treated this way. And I, I, I start thinking about it and I was like, where did this feeling come from? i have you know, my parents, my spouse, uh, family, have not treated me this way. They've never been disrespectful in this manner. My workplace uh, is very positive. Like I told you, uh, our institute leadership have gone out of their way to create a culture where younger people can be themselves, speak their mind. So I, it, it was interesting for me to sort of reflect on where this thing sneaked into my mind. Was it always there? And then it just manifested later on. Uh, sorry, I may have gone off track, but it, it just- No, you're perfectly on <laughs> track.
0: I think what I'm hearing is that you finally value yourself. Yeah. And when you value yourself like that, you can be strategic about what things you like, discern, what things deserve your attention and where you want to set a boundary, what things you're willing to let go at a moment in time. And where you are going to speak up and really have those challenging conversations but they don't even have to be challenging anymore when you get used to implementing tools but having those conversations can be hugely empowering and they reinforce your value each and every time that you do that so it it builds and accumulates over time I think what you were talking earlier is a perfect description of the inner critic you know something happens you say well you just have to take whatever they say because you don't deserve it because you're not at their level yet. And you know all these kind of like crazy thoughts that we have in our head are just a part of a, the, the, you know, the inner critic is that part that's trying to make us better, perfect so that we never have to feel like that again. It just yes. doesn't necessarily go about things in the, you know, the most healthy way. So it's being able to separate out from those voices and not believe them as the truth all the time. Hmm. Just an opinion. Thank you for your opinion. Yeah. But what do I choose to do in this moment? It's being have being able to separate out from our crazy thoughts hmm. from what we actually want and choose
1: to do. It's that analogy that came up in some of our sessions, right? Hmm. Being the CEO of our inner boardroom. Yes. There are different voices. Okay, there is a voice which is saying that, hey, you deserve to be treated this way. But this is just a voice. It is not the entire boardroom. Right. Yeah,
0: because there's this other voice, clearly, that's saying, no, it's not okay. And I yeah. want to say something about it.
1: So yeah. and that reminds you of how far you have come. Yeah. There's I I I mean, okay, I I I have spent several years trying to learn a subject. I have made some progress. I will continue to make progress. So it is is my journey, just like everyone has a journey. So why should I act as if I deserve to be treated poorly, right? Why should, it's disrespectful for me not to recognize my own journey. Mm I would do this to another person when I'm talking to someone who are talking about their research or their career. I, I listen with a lot of fascination, and I make notes, mental notes about how their journey turned out. In some cases, when I speak to younger people who are just starting out, I'm reminded of how I was when I was starting out. What I, I remember a few days ago, I asked someone who's a postdoctoral uh, fellow, about, uh, it was just a casual question about how long have you been at this, this and this Institute? And he, uh, he's like, Oh, I have been there for three years. And there was this connect. I went back to the phase when I was in my final year of postdoc and, you know, uh, anticipating job applications and worried about where I'll go next. Mm -hmm. So, when I talk to younger people, I don't treat them poorly, right? I I, I, I respect their journeys. I try to learn from them. Um, one of my colleagues here, uh, sorry, Hannah, am I talking too much? <laughs> no, I love it. Carry on. <laughs> one of my colleagues here and a very, very dear friend was actually a student at the first uh, winter school that I organized. She was this uh, bubbly, enthusiastic undergraduate student. And today she is my colleague at IISER Pune and we are very good friends. And I learned so much from talking to her about her own research journey. And it was she who pointed it out that, you know, why if somebody is treating you poorly, it's on them, it's not on you. <laughs>
0: It is, it, it is, absolutely. And I always like to come from the position of that people, assu- I want to assume that people have good intent behind yes. their actions, first of all, yes. and that they're doing the best they can with yes. the resources they have available to them, to them at that time. So if it feels harsh from another person, I always try to come from that perspective and say, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that's going on for them it's very rarely really about us like 99% of the time it's not about you it's about them
1: yes and in many cases if you do point out gently or indicate in a professional way that this is not okay they do understand and they do realize that what they were doing is not correct it's just that they had not had that awareness before
0: yes and now you're bringing the awareness to light I love it so I have two questions for you if I may before we finish Mm -hmm. the first one is if you could go back in time to any moment in your history of you know your life and give yourself a piece of advice what moment would that be and what piece of advice would you give yourself
1: you know This is a very interesting question. And I thought about this and I even wrote a blog post about it. No. Yeah. You know, if I had this opportunity to go back and meet my younger self, I would not give them any advice. You know, I would just hold their hand and I would listen to them. (laughs) Oh, wow. But okay, well, how are you? What are you feeling? Tell me all about it. I won't even tell them what is going to happen in the future because, you know, that let, let, let them figure their way out. But I feel that what most people need is someone to listen to them sympathetically. Oh, so you would be like the guardian
0: angel of support. <laughs> yes. Back in, you don't need to fix or change anything. You just need to have someone there and the other person will find it within themselves to guide themselves forward. I love that.
1: Because there would have been, there must have been, and there were, I have memories of other people at that time who were at the career stage where I am in today, uh, who gave me advice that came from a very good place, but I did not implement it unless there was a voice within me that said that, yeah, this is what I need. So where is the guarantee that that younger self would listen to my advice? (laughs) It's sparking so many ideas in my head right now.
0: (laughs) There is no guarantee, you're right, absolutely. No guarantee it would be listened to, but certainly the support around you enables you to find that voice within you and the direction you're going to take. My final question for you, is what would you or what piece of advice or what would you say to somebody who is about to start out coaching with me? What advice or support or guidance? I don't want to use advice because you've just said, don't listen to advice.
1: (laughs) I I see what. So my suggestion to them would be to uh, do it with their whole heart. Right, like uh, the daily, the morning, uh, the the morning posts. Right, what we did for our morning routine, or uh, the weekly plans. Uh, try to attend as many group coachings as possible, and uh, even if you can't attend, do do listen to the replay because you offer that option. Yes. So my advice for them would be, you know, just as they, just as someone. I mean, my guess is anyone who's thinking of joining your app is more, most likely to be a scientist. So just as they uh, jumped and put their whole heart into learning science in the early years and did whatever needed to be done, right? Show up for coursework, for lab work, the writing, meetings with their advisors, etc. they have to do, they ha- I think they should take the same attitude with the app as well.
0: I think that is a brilliant example a bit like being a scientist uh coming up with a theory and testing out like trying things out testing things out what works what doesn't work for you um I think that's an excellent piece of advice thank you and thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today as well
1: thank you it was a pleasure to talk to you
0: thank you for listening to women in stem career and confidence To get further support in your journey, join me in Breakthrough Unleashed on Facebook.